It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Joe Goodberry joins the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're going to break down the All-22, get into scheme, Joe Burrow, offensive line, running game, defense, all the film breakdown takeaways from the Jets game coming up. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake Lisko joined today by Joe Goodberry. We're going to be going through the all 22 the film breakdown the takeaways from the Bengals first victory of the season against the New York Jets. Lockdown Bengals is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network covering your team every day free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube and today's episode of Lockdown Bengals is brought to you by Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. First-time users can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON on their first deposit. That's prizepicks.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Joe, welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Good to have you here. We've both had a chance to get through the All-22, the coaches' film, the tight and the wide of the Bengals taking on the New York Jets, and some things to like, certainly. A lot to like, I would say, even as the Bengals kind of get their offense back on track early in the game in particular. Some questions remain for me, but let's start with the offense as we have for the last couple of weeks. And and Joe Burrow, who the biggest thing for me watching Burrow in this game is I thought that he managed the pocket much better. The The tendencies when pressure did flash in his face looked a lot more like the good Joe Burrow that we saw for most of last year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Actually, that's something we've been highlighting the last two weeks. I think when we watched Joe Burrow in, in the sacks, we said, well, how many are on the offensive line? How many are on Burrow? How many are coverage? How many are they he would normally get away from or maybe maneuver it within the pocket and find somebody? Uh, I thought this was definitely a glimpse of where he can be and where he we expect him to be. And it makes a big difference, right? We, he got ends up getting sacks just a couple of times and really – I think a lot large part is he didn't have to hold the ball too often. There weren't many of those plays on the plays. He was pressured. I mean, the first touchdown you look at, he looks to the right guy's not there. He, the pocket starts to slowly collapse. I thought it was fine, but he, his first move was to step up. It wasn't to spin out of the back. It wasn't to drop the ball. It wasn't to bend his knees, which is what I had a problem with in the Cowboys game. So he steps up in a passing posture, doesn't see the next uh, option is number two. And then he breaks free. Then he spins out and becomes a runner quickly gets his eyes back up after he gets out of the pocket, finds my JP Ryan, delivers the ball. And that's 
it's a key play. And it's those are plays that the Bengals really needed last year or else they don't get as far as they do. And again, if he starts making those and it starts to become common in every game, it really helps out the offense. That's what separates Joe Burrow as a quarterback from the Andy Dalton type of quarterback. And and it's not just that. I'm not saying that's the only difference between Dalton and Burrow. Obviously, I think there, there's a lot you could talk about that separates those guys. But in terms of style of play, the extra juice you get from Joe Burrow is those outside of structure plays over a few of them against the Jets. And like you said, Joe, the first one, the touchdown pass is a really impressive play. For Burrow, I, I think managing the pocket well, escaping the pocket well, and that that's part of it too. It's not just the mechanics of you know the the knees bending, dropping the eyes. It's also how well he's escaping the pockets, which we saw last year for the first three and a half, four weeks of the season was a struggle for Burrow. And then as he got more comfortable, the escapability got better. And this game showed more of that magic, I thought from Burrow that we got accustomed to last year. And then I, I thought just on that first touchdown to highlight it, that the patience from Burrow to wait for Samaj P. Ryan to clear into a window it was a really impressive play from Burrow and, and for P. Ryan to make himself available there at the goal line in a situation where, you know, it's not like P. Ryan's getting a whole lot of scramble drill reps, I imagine. So I thought it was a nice job for him too. And he had in general a really nice game. You know, I'm glad you brought up the scramble drill part because the receivers and the running backs, you know, the weapons have a part to do once Burrow does break down and have to, has to buy time and, and find an extra guy. There's a few plays even in this game and reviewing the film of the first two weeks, I thought, okay, these guys, for whatever reason, aren't breaking down, aren't getting to f- finding those open areas, aren't finding the voids in the zones. Uh, and now it seemed like they were doing it on a more often uh, pace. And, and in this last game, something they're going to have to work on and keep doing all guys, all of them, we've seen them do it. To, a, to an extent. I think the one that is maybe the biggest difference right now is Hayden Hurst versus C.J. Uzama. Uzama had a lot of big plays last year off of that. Right? And so far watching Hurst, I'm not sure he's a really good route runner, and I'm not sure he's really creative when things break down. So it's something to keep an eye on. We don't have a, you know, a large sample size. I don't watch him that much with Atlanta and with Baltimore, but just in seeing this, you know, I, I kind of feel like there's a little something missing there. Uh, but I think, you know, bringing up that touchdown to start the game, that was his third touchdown in a row, really. I thought all three were really well-designed or nice plays by Burrow. You know, only one counted, obviously. The right. first one was was the – you get a jet motion from left to right with uh, Jamar Chase, which they did a couple times on the first drive. And then you get a play action to uh, Joe Mixon going to the left and then a shovel to Tyler Boyd, which very creative. We saw a shovel pass a couple weeks ago that didn't work. I think that one was day nursed, right, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, and this one obviously clears out works. There's a holding penalty. Maybe that's why it was cleared out, right? But then the next one is they get quarters coverage, which basically one-on-one if you're in the red zone with T. Higgins. That's when a lot of people learn that there is a heel rule when it comes to toe tapping. Right. And, and then you come back, you're not discouraged by it. You still buy time. It breaks down, and you find some IJP Ryan for the touchdown. Yeah, and a really nice opening drive in general. I think this is something that you and I would both highlight. The game starting with an RPO. And I don't recall seeing another RPO the rest of the game. I'm sure there were some that I'm not thinking of, but if they they existed, the ball didn't get thrown on those plays, which makes them much more recognizable, of course, uh, if you're if you're trying to get through the tape quickly. But in general, starting the game with an RPO, which goes for a first down, so, some nice play action work in there as well. What did you like about the first drive schematically, Joe? Because I thought they showed some nice creative solid play calling they stayed ahead of the chains and it was very pass heavy 
but mm. they were getting the matchups they wanted in the secondary. And maybe this is a product of the way the Jets play defense, a lot of single high shells. But but what did you like about that first draft? Well, I think we got to go back and look how um, formulaic they really were the first two weeks, right? When they're under center, it was like 90% run. When they're in shotgun, it's 90% pass. I and mean, once you get into that and you can't control the game script, I think that was a big part of it the first two weeks. I think defenses are just going to key on you, and they were the first two. So you have to come out and you have to show complete tendency breakers at some point. They did the first drive versus the Cowboys, actually. We talked about that. They come straight away, drop back passing. So I'm like, okay, what are they going to do this week? Before the games, I was saying what I would like to see is come out in shotgun and make everything look the same from there. You're going to run from shotgun. You're going to find a way to get jet sweeps or motions to Jamar Chase. You're going to run screens out of it. Everything comes out of shotgun to start, and then you build off that. And so I was very excited to see, I think it was 10 out of 12 plays to start the drive or on the first drive, we're all out of shotgun. And when they did go under center, it was the, uh, the, the pitch back and then deep shot to, to Jamar chase. And it was a play action and then over the middle of the field to Tyler Boyd. So like, even when they got under, they didn't run the ball. So it's like, those are the tendency breakers you have to do to at least put it in the data to say that we're not at 90% anymore. And then you put it on film also. So, which I, which is also, we're going to skip a lot right in between there, but the last drive, why they come out with the way they do in 12 personnel with an extra guy in the whole line and just run the same play over and over and over again, it's because you're adding it to the data pile and just stuff that teams and opponents are going to have to dig through and like, okay, is this actually a part of their offense? Are they still under center all the time? And I think that's smart. And you, you know, you still uh, build in a run game like that, but so that first drive, a lot of misdirection. We got jet motion. We got the, the, the throwback from Joe Mixon, then the deep ball to chase off of that. Lots of, we got the play action and then you have tendency breakers. That's exactly what I was looking for. And I don't remember if this was the first drive. I don't think it was. I think it might've been the second drive. The Bengals get, there was just some really nice play calling in this game, I guess, in general. I think it was the third drive. I think it was the second touchdown drive. The the Bengals get, it wasn't the, okay. I don't know what drive it was. I'm going to stop trying to find it, but the Bengals <laughs> got Tyler Boyd isolated after a little bit of motion, they go trips. They motion Boyd from like the second slot guy to the inside slot guy. They get him isolated on CJ Mosley. I tweeted this play as well. First and drive. It, it was the first drive. Yeah, I know what you're okay. talking about because it's a right. single high and there's no one inside and there's no corner or, or DB. I think Bro knows instantly that he's got a linebacker there. Okay. So, so it's another. So they, they get Boyd isolated on linebackers or or in zone, I think, a couple times. But in this particular rep, it's CJ Mosley playing inside and Tyler Boyd running an outbreaking route from number three uh, in the inside slot position. And CJ Mosley just has no chance there. More right. to talk about, I think, here uh, to do with scheme, to do with is the Bengals offense fixed and and some things that they can still do to improve. And some notes, I think, as well to get to on uh, the offensive line and the running game. We'll get into that coming up next. But we talked about prize picks at the top of the show. It is fantasy made easy. Daily fantasy, that's the easiest, quickest thing that I've seen in the world of daily fantasy. And that's why I love it. The, the ease, the simplicity, the, the quickness of it. You pick two to five players. You pick up, they'll score more or less in their prize picks projection. And that's it. You can win up to 10 times your money. As simple as that. No competing against other people. No thousands of participants in the prize pool for you to go up against. Just you against the projections. And it's going to cover any sport you want. Obviously, you're NFL fans if you're listening to this podcast. But maybe you like... I don't know, pick a sport, WNBA, golf, baseball. Maybe you're into tennis or MMA. They've got 
They've got options for you there as well. They got safe and fast withdrawals for you in 30 states in Canada. So check it out, the Prize Picks apps or at prizepicks.com. You're going to get a 100% instant deposit match up to, sorry, 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Again, that's $100 for free if you deposit $100 at Prize Picks with promo code locked on. And go check it out. Daily Fantasy, made easy. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Joe, let's keep going on scheme a little bit here. I think that one of the big questions going into this game for me was, is it just going to be the Bengals taking advantage of single high stuff from the Jets, which they did, or... Are they also going to continue to show growth against the two high shells? And the Jets got into those two high shells, especially after the first couple drives of the game. A lot of cover four out of those two high shells, those those quarters coverage. I think I saw at least one rep of quarter, quarter, half, a couple of reps of of cover two, or at least what appeared to be cover two, some some two-man in there as well, and some zero as well. But primarily the area I'm looking for growth from this passing offense, from this running offense, when they get these light boxes is against two high safeties. What did you see when the Jets went to two high? Yeah, there was only a handful of snaps. I thought that, which is more than what they normally do, right? I think they did it twice this all, all year so far uh, coming into this game for the Jets. So Straight cover two, yeah. But yeah. 13 dropbacks in this game of two and four, and they do more cut quarters in general. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I felt like it was probably five of cover two and then eight or so of quarters. So that would make sense if that was in that range of 13, if the data says that. I thought that they struggled still. And uh, for the most part, there was a couple plays that I thought Burrow maybe could have taken a shot, could have, could have taken a shot downfield. I posted both on Twitter today. One was a boy down the middle of the seam. He checks it down real quick. Uh, I think that was the Jamar Chase out of the backfield fumble play, actually. Yes. So maybe it was like a designed, they already knew where they were going with the ball there. But still, I mean, the guy's running free down the middle of the field. And then there was another one. Uh, it was third and 15 later in the game. The one almost gets intercepted on the left-hand side. It's quarter, so it's almost man at that point when everyone's running deep balls or are running deep routes. And you have Higgins one-on-one with a guy, and he's crossing his face as Boyd hits the out route. I mean, I think you see that most quarterbacks' eyes light up, and they just launch that deep ball because there's no one in the middle of the field to you know, protect T. Higgins from mossing this guy 50 yards down the field. And so, like, those two, I'm like, those are your big shots that you don't normally get versus cover two, cover four, and you got to be able to take them when they're there because you're only going to get a couple of them. So I would have liked to have seen that. I think the emphasis for this offense versus those may have been get to your check down quick, and I thought Burrow did do that which is a benefit because I think that'll help them. That was a complaint I had the first two weeks. So that'll help them going forward. I still think there's big plays to be had. They got to be aggressive with it. Yeah. That one that went out to boy that was nearly intercepted that that's like a bit of a scissors concept, right? Where they got the the corner and, and T runs a post. Nobody goes with T on the no. post. I mean, the, the corner that would be responsible for carrying the vertical is sitting on the out route that flashes in front of his eyes before the ball comes out, before Burrow's hand, second hand comes off the ball. So that one 
definitely stood out to me as well. And I know we talked about talked about the post. And, and the thing about the post that made it really stand out to me is that Jamar Chase, just being on the opposite side of the field, draws the safety's attention. Burrow yes. starts on that side of the field with his eyes, but just putting your eyes on Jamar Chase on a safety side of the field, the safety is is going to chase. And yep. so Boyd running the post into the into the void that that creates is a maybe something they're going to look back on on tape and say, okay, this is something that we can come to later in the year now that we've set this up. Anytime you do something creative or new, and I think sometimes you run it to see what the defense reacts to, right? So they're putting Chase in there and they're just running basically a little curl out of the backfield almost it's as the check down guy. And, okay, how does the defense react? Like you feel confident going to Chase in almost any situation anyway. So if he drops back, thinks, okay, I'm going to give it to him, let him run after the catch, which would have worked for a handful of yards or so. But now they look, you're right. They look at the tape and they're going to say, okay, if the, if the safeties are keying on Chase that much, man, or if that even pauses that middle linebacker just slightly, man, you've got a big shot down the middle of the field. And you'll probably see them pull that out again. And Chase has been in the backfield a handful of times this year already. So now you've got that in there where you feel confident that you might be able to create a big play without even Chase running downfield, which is you know a rarity for them this year so far. Yeah, I think that's part of what happens in the early season that – and Taylor has alluded to this. He's like, yeah, it's been two games. You know, we're, we're not too worried about our trends and whatever so far, because we have two games of game planning. You're trying to extrapolate, you know, major trends from a limited sample size. And I get some of that for sure. And I thought the coaching staff on, on the offensive side of the ball in particular did a good job of taking advantage of some opportunities and putting guys in a position to make some plays in this game. Uh, the only other deep shot that we haven't talked about that I thought, is a shot that maybe the Bengals take last year is one that we were looking at um, where they get single high chase is isolated. I think it's DJ Reed on the left side of the formation. And instead of taking that shot and it's second and 10, they're around the, the jets 30 yard line. So you're taking a shot at the end zone there. Potentially they're up 27. I think it's the final score already at this point. It's probably 27, 12 at this point in the game, maybe it's 27, nine. And instead of taking that shot to chase, it's just immediately checked down. And so there, there's a middle ground here as there is with all of these adjustments that we're asking for this offense to make on the one hand. Yeah. In some instances earlier in the year, in particular, in the first two weeks, Burrow did need to get to his checkdowns more quickly, but that's when you recognize, okay, they've rotated to cover two. What I wanted wasn't there. Let's check it down and get those easy yards underneath. When you get the, okay, this is single high and I have a vertical to my number one receiver out there. Hopefully those shots are, are still in the works and, and coming because there's another matchup here with the Dolphins where they could have a lot more of those one-on-one opportunities outside. And we saw T. Higgins take advantage of them this week. So maybe that yeah. was it. You know, maybe they're thinking like, yeah, we're, if they're going to play single high, that safety's probably going to shade towards Chase. Let's take our deep shots with uh, with Higgins, even though we did get a couple with Chase. One was a creative play on the first drive. There was another one later in the game. Uh, my concern was, same as you, like when they got to those situations, it was, all right, go ball to Chase every time, one-on-one, right? This time it was like they had Chase routes built in to run a curl or a hook or an in route versus, you know, a man free or, or cover one, cover three. And I'm like, yeah, I get it because you're expecting a lot more cover two, but the Jets rarely do it. And even though they did it more than normal, like I see that and let's get a hot route. Let's audible this thing and let's just run, Chase. Let's just get you off the hook, you know, and just just let's see these deep balls fly. And maybe they did. Maybe a couple of those were checks at the line, but it just there was a few more where I was like, man, there's a chance here. It's second and seven. Go for it. There are some big explosive play opportunities out there. And 
to the Bengals' credit, they did take some of those shots that throwback from Joe Mixon on the toss to that ends up going to Jamar Chase down the left sideline. Could have been a touchdown, probably should have been a touchdown, probably is a touchdown 95% of the time. Uh, Chase looked like he just didn't quite track it correctly, and mm-hmm. that's sort of what he indicated in the locker room after the game. And the other one, one-on-one with uh, Sauce Gardner on the right sideline, good play from Gardner, very close to pass interference, probably not quite. I think it was timed really well. Maybe a tad underthrown from Burrow if you want to nitpick a little bit, but that's a play Jamar Chase makes a lot of the time as well. So those shots were there a little bit, and and you'd like to see that. You'd like to see them capitalizing on their opportunities against those single high structures where they do have opportunities down the sidelines with their big playmakers of T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. And in addition to that, I thought Burrow was, generally speaking, better processing this week, finding Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd sitting down in voids of zones, and T. Higgins, I think, once as well. But specifically, I think big game for for Tyler Boyd, obviously the big touchdown reception where he breaks a tackle and takes it for yards after catch. But in general, Burrow getting the ball out on time to those guys where those voids were in some of those zones when the Jets did go to those two high structures. So there's a mixed bag there. It's not all bad against too high, but I would describe it as room for improvement. And a lot of that comes, I would say, in the running game. I know you watched a lot of these snaps, Joe, because I saw the the clips you tweeted of Joe Mixon trying to figure out where the running lanes were early in the game. So let's talk Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan running game, offensive line, and hopefully we get to the defense as well to wrap up the show here coming up next. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Joe, you watched a lot of running plays. I saw you clipped a lot of running plays. So no spoilers. I know you've got your own show over on Cincinnati Bengals Talk YouTube, Bengals on the Brain. You can check that out as well if you guys haven't seen it. I'm sure many of you have. But is this a running back issue? Is this an offensive line issue? Where's your concern level with Mixon? Well, I definitely have some concern with Mixon right now. You know, and some of it was, okay, they're going to run from shotgun heavy this week. That changes some of your reads. It changes what you're looking at. changes some of your footwork, you know, as a running back. And Mixon looked frustrated, to be honest, on the sidelines and after a few plays. Uh, and I and I wondered, like, is it an injury thing? Is he mad at the offensive line? Does he not like running from shotgun? Like, what's going on? And maybe I'm projecting a little bit while I was watching him, and that happens, right? Uh, but uh, there were a few plays and a handful of plays where I thought, number one, the tight ends were had a terrible day blocking overall, and they probably single-handedly ruined about three or four plays. Uh, but it also messed with Mixon a few times where he thought, okay, I'm going to bounce it out. Absolutely nothing on the bounce out for him because those tight ends couldn't seal the edge. Uh, but I think it's it's going to take some adjustment. Watching the O-line as a whole, they're still kind of stepping on each other a little bit. They're still kind of too tight, not really in sync with uh, dual blocks and climbing the second level, not as fast as you'd like. It's funny because I think Mixon typically has good vision, 
And I think he's he's a very quick decision maker where he sees a guy in his head flash and he's like, all right, I'm going to cut it outside because uh, he has the speed and he has the ability to do that. Uh, in this game, though, I think a little more patience would have served him well. And it's funny because I've seen people say, you know, he's dancing too much back there. You got to hit the hole harder. Yeah, there were some instances of that. But there's also some patience to trust that these duo blocks inside that other guy's going to climb and get that linebacker that you're reading first and you're worried that he's going to fill the gap. But each time Burrow or um, each time Mixon tried to bounce it out or take a sidestep the other lane, that guy ended up getting blocked anyways. And I'm like, yeah, if you were just a little bit more patient, you'd probably get four, five, six, eight yards. There was one run uh, near the five-ish yard line going into the end zone where I thought that lane opens up over the middle and that probably is a walk-in touchdown. Maybe he's got to break an arm tackle on his way there. Ends up getting one yard on it Mm -hmm. Uh, and running into the back of his offensive lineman and and tight ends. And it's like, you saw that a handful of times. It was very frustrating. I think he was probably frustrated with it. We were watching it. I am concerned. Uh, Could he play better? Of course. He's 26 years old now, right? We know that the, it sounds so young, and it does, it is. But, I mean, running backs we've seen, they don't have great years after that threshold of, of, of age right there. And maybe he's just there where it seems like, you know, things just aren't clicking the way they used to. Well, isn't Samaje Pirine there as well? Sure, he is. <laughs> and, and Samaje, I mean, given end-of-game scenario, maybe there's some some giving up at that point maybe a little bit on both sides of the ball to be honest like let's get out of here and go home but that's an eight minute drive for the Bengals the game is not over at that point the Jets came back from a more dire situation the week before so I'm not convinced that's all it was I thought Samaj P. Ryan played really well by contrast Mm -hmm. and certainly looked more decisive there there's no hesitation for him there's no second guessing he's just getting downhill and one of the big differences that you see with that is that Samaj P. Ryan, when he's getting hit, is getting hit with a full head of steam and was playing with good leverage, I thought, throughout the game in terms of keeping his pad level low into contact and driving forward, getting two, three yards, just dragging guys. And that's something that Mixon certainly has the build and power and weight and strength to do, but the way that he's running the ball right now isn't really having those opportunities, isn't making those guys miss, isn't getting those you know, two, three yards after contact. So it it was a sharp contrast yesterday. I I think that, you know, you describe it as patience. I I might describe it as trust Mm -hmm. as we see Joe Burrow, not necessarily trusting this offensive line in the first couple weeks of the season, a little bit more shown in the way of trust this week in terms of standing in there could be very similar issues for the running backs. Yeah, I agree. And maybe Pirine's just on fire right now after that block of Micah Parsons to, That's you know, right. pretty much end for, you know, the, the what a great play that was to carry that over to get that first touchdown. Actually, on the first drive as well, if you remember the play where they leave Micah Parsons unblocked and they're showing sugar in the A-gap against the Cowboys, right? And Leal Collins doesn't get the call as they bring Drew Sample up. Well, they get the same exact look again. The Jets are like, we're going to give it to you and yeah. hopefully get a free rusher on the edge. And I see... Samaj P. Ryan walk up to Leal Collins and like talk into his ear like, hey, I'm going inside to block. You've got the edge guy. Now, I'm assuming that's what he says, but it might quite literally be exactly what he said to him. And there's a false start on the play, but you can see as they back up, they would have picked it up correctly. So I'm like, good job, Samaj. Make sure the guy gets the call this time. And he did. He ran well and he ran powerful and he's been good at blocking. Um, he's just feeling it right now. And sometimes you are. So I. I've got no problem seeing Samaj P. Ryan get a few more of these snaps right here. If he's going to hit the hole, hit it hard, just put his head down and grind out whatever he can. That's all the Bengals really need from this running game right now. They don't need somebody that can take it over and really control the entire game. That's what Mixon's for. If he's on, he can do that for you. They don't really need that. It's a Joe Burrow offense. And if 
that means they got to run out of shotgun more and do things like that. Well, then it is what it is. Yeah. And you're right. He's on a heater. He had the touchdown catch to start the game. The Micah Parsons block last week that we celebrated and the running to finish the game today is really where the questions come from. But Zach Taylor said in his press conference on Monday, there's no plan to change the workload at running back quickly. Let's talk pass protection here before we get to the defense and hit a few notes on defense. Uh, so, some pretty rough numbers. If you look at the PFF grading, for example, and when I rewatched the game, one of the numbers that was heavily scrutinized that I saw discussed on Twitter was Lyle Collins grade. I think he's in the forties for PFF and pass protection. They have him only giving up one pressure. So what gives, well, you watch the game. Collins still looks like he has some issues. There are plays where he looks totally fine when he locks guys down, when he mirrors well, when he stays in front, has no issues. There are plays where he's letting guys run around him and then diving. There are plays where he's losing on counters. There are plays where he's – maybe there wasn't an overset in this game, but uh, in general, I, I counted at least five, five that I remember where he just straight up loses in pass protection out of roughly 40 snaps. And, and that's how you start to see these grades come down, even if they don't all result in pressures because in – Three of them, the ball's gone. One of them turns into a penalty as Burrow escapes the pressure and ends up drawing the roughing the passer penalty. So that's where potentially the grade can cannot line up with the pressures allowed. Jonah Williams, I thought, also at times struggling a little bit with, with the, some of the same issues that we've talked about so far this year. They all got beat. They all took their chance and, and took their opportunity to get beaten and throughout the game. Even Karras for the first time all year, you know, I felt like he got blown back a couple times. I believe Kappa did as, as well and let up that one hit that was almost very scary in the Joe Burrow's knee. And uh, so they all did. Yeah. And part of the gel, part of them getting it. I thought it was a good day for the offensive line. So I don't want to make it sound like it was all bad. Right. Because if you get a C performance, this offense is going to score points and they're going to be fine. And, you know, so overall, I thought they were OK. There are still issues for whatever reason where they when I watch it, it's like power for Jonah Williams. It's over-aggressiveness for Cordell Volson and just being young. I think because there's times where like you just see, like, ah, yeah, it's, you know, he just missed with his hands and he got beat, can't recover. Uh, Karras was just a couple examples here. Where he just didn't look like the most athletic or strongest dude ever, and we know that's who he is. He's going to win with his intelligence and being a veteran. Uh, and then Keppel was fine for the most part. It, Collins, for me, and you're right, it's the stiffness. It's not getting anything off his kick slide. He's really not even exploding out of there. He can't flip his hips, really ride the guy around the arc. He almost like, all right, if you're going to take the arc, that's fine. I'm going to push you around it because he's still super strong. And then when he locks on the guys, like you said, in the run game, I think he's probably their best run blocker in terms of moving the pile or at the point of attack. Yeah. He hits these guys and they're, they're getting blown back. But that's because that's straight line speed. A lot of player evaluation catchphrases here, right? They, things we, we see with guys when they don't have lateral ability, lateral burst, you know, it's side to side stuff. When the Collins has a back issue, hip issues from the past, it makes sense why he looks as stiff as he does. And maybe that's what's really affecting him. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe it won't. I don't know. As of right now, it's interesting that they see it as like, okay, we're not really going to give you that much help on that side because they really haven't. I thought, I thought he got more this week. He did, but I, they also helped out Jonah. So it was like they picked and cho chose what side they mm -hmm. want to help on certain times, and it's like you can't really help both. So yeah. someone's got to elevate their game a little bit was what the point I was getting to. Like Jonah's playing a little bit worse than he was last year. We give up 10 sacks. He's probably going to blow that out of the water if he continues this way, and it's really only maybe four or five bad reps a game where he just gets blown backwards and can't re-anchor. And you just wonder if he just has enough strength and 
core strength and heaviness and muscle to him to really anchor on these. Yeah, the problem with Jonah's here so far is that the the bad plays have been punished. Yeah, and and it's, you're not always punished for losing a block, and we saw that with Al Collins this week. He wasn't necessarily punished for for some of the losses that he had in pass protection. Jonah, it feels like, has been punished for every single miss. And that's the nature of offensive line a little bit too. You know, you can be good for 98% of a game, but that one you miss could just be devastating to your team. And unfortunately, Jonah's been on the wrong end of some of those. I'm personally very encouraged with Cordell Volson. I I remain encouraged with him. Yeah, he had a couple of uh, probably lost snaps both in the past game and the run game. But in general, I thought he was really good and did well against Quinn and Williams and the power that Quinn and Williams brings to the table and the quickness that Quinn and Williams brings to the table. It wasn't like week one where Cam Haber was getting him a couple times. I thought Cordell Volson was mostly really solid in this game and, and continues to show a bright future. And yeah. you look at the PFF grading, the true pass snaps, which the Bengals only had nine of, I think, in this game, which is a remarkably low number for this offense that has been straight drop back passing a lot. Yeah. Nine true pass blocking snaps. Cordell Volson again, clean sheet for him. 82.6 pass blocking grade, which indicates that he was really good in those situations. Small sample size caveat supply. Joe, we're, we're running a little bit long here. Want to get to the defense really quick. DJ reader continues to play at an extremely high level and was again, before his injury had a couple pressures and a couple really impressive two gapping plays in the run game. Obviously Trey Hendrickson, absolutely game wrecking against some very bad tackles. And Joe Flacco, I think made this defense's job a little bit easy. That was one of the worst quarterback games I've seen in my life from Flacco, quite frankly, like he was awful, but the defense helped him be awful. And, you know, you can tell when the snap's coming because Flacco wipes his hand right before he gets the snap every time. And, like, I, because I, I, I saved all the sacks because I'm doing a, a Trey Hendrickson video for Bengals on the Brain, and I'm like, he wipes his hand every single time right before the snap. These guys got to be ripping off the line every time on this. So I thought that was funny. Well, now, now you've given Joe Flacco his tell now that he will be replaced, I'm sure, in short order by Zach Wilson. But what, what else stood out to you about the defense But before we get out of here really quick? I, I thought that, generally speaking, they continue to show their versatility, the, the discipline, for the most part, really, really strong, and finally making good on some of their takeaway opportunities, although I will say they probably also left another, what, three yeah. picks potentially at least on the field? So generally really good capitalization but uh what what else stood out to you sign of a good defense or a good team is when the depth comes in and you don't really you know lose anything akeem davis gaither comes in for jermaine pratt you wouldn't even have known it was Fantastic, a very man. yeah he, he he stood instantly looks like one of the starters and a guy that you would probably miss nothing if he had to play if if that level of play continued but for one game fantastic uh i thought even on the defensive line cam sample had his best career game he flashed a whole bunch. I've never seen five splash plays in a game from him. We probably may have got five splash plays as a rookie at total, and he had five in this game. And I was like, that's what you want to see. That's impressive. That's when you can be like, all right, what can we do with this guy more? Can he take some snaps from Hubbard on the one side? Can he move inside and get more pass rush snaps? Because you got to have 
uh, deeper rotation at D-tackle now without DJ Reader. And they did that. And I thought he looked really good. You got to see Joseph Osai, again, rushing from inside, but then he got some reps on the right edge. And I thought he looked quick and had some burst off the edge. And you know what? He had a couple hits when Hendrickson also got sacks as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to see for a guy that, you know, missed the entire year last year. And he's just starting to round into a role or they're trying to figure out what that role is. Still like to see more edge snaps, maybe some on the left side with uh, where Hubbard is. But I think they like the power from Hubbard's side and then running the arc with Hendrickson. It kind of creates a dynamic for that quarterback that if you're going to bail, that's a forced fumble for Hendrickson. And if you're going to step up, Hubbard's going to clean him up or someone else will. B.J. Hill also had a really good game. Uh, last one is Chidobi Awuzie, man. He's just so good. He's really, really good. It's funny because I thought Garrett Wilson's having a fantastic game until he got you know that rib shot from Jesse Bates, which was a great play from him being the, the single high safety to come down and hit him. But Garrett Wilson's undressing these guys at this point in terms of Mike Hilton and Eli Apple. And I'm like, yeah, he's having a he's having a game and he's going to be a really good play player. Uh, and then you, you see a woozy every time he's targeted. I'm like, why do you keep throwing it his way? And now three games <laughs> in, he's the most targeted corner in the league. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Are they funneling everything towards a woozy? And I watched a few plays. I'm like, yeah, I think the Bengals defense is like, go ahead and throw it. He's our probably the most underrated guy they have at this point when everyone's underrated on defense. He is that good. Yeah, the, the next-gen stats on corners, I don't know if you saw this this thread from next-gen stats. The, the EPA leaders for corners, Chidobe Abouzier, targets that have headed into his coverage, minus 16.7. Does he have a pick? Points added. Does he have a pick? I don't think he does. And if he's at a negative at that point with like beating guys like Darius Slay, who has multiple interceptions, I believe, already, then that's crazy. That means stop throwing it his way. You guys are kicking your offense in the, you know, in the nether regions every time you do it. I think another thing that helps these numbers are targets that have gone his way on fourth downs or in the or in the mm. end zone where he's yeah. breaking up potential touchdowns. And I think there were at least two of them in this, game. in this game where one of them was definitely turnover on downs. The other one might've led to a field goal, but that's straight up, you know, minus two, minus three, minus six yep. points or whatever it is in the EPA formula. Darius Slate is second okay. at minus 13.3. Uh, I think this is a rookie, Jalen Watson, Kansas City, yeah. minus 11.7. James Bradbury also with the Eagles. The Eagles are good. Yeah, the, they are good. Now I want that rotation on the O-line, D-line, that, or depth that they have. They have incredible trench depth. And if they're getting this kind of play from Bradbury and Slay, and and, and Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts are doing what they're doing on offense, that, that's going to be an interesting team to watch in the NFC. But – We've gotten off topic here. We've gotten away from the Bengals on your brain, on your hat there. Go check out Bengals on the Brain with Joe Goodberry over on YouTube. We appreciate you sticking with us for a little bit of a longer episode here as we dive into some of our film takeaways from the Bengals' first victory of the season against the New York Jets. And another chance, Joe, I would say, for potentially an offensive showcase. We'll see if that is the case or not with Miami, but... Miami has some tendencies like the Jets do that the Bengals could exploit. They have not been great on defense this year, but that offense on the other hand has made some noise. And and so potentially uh, a strength on strength matchup for the Bengals defense, getting their first real test with the speed of these Miami receivers. And if they aren't up to the test could be a fun offensive showcase for both of these teams. And, And that's what we're looking forward to. We'll shift gears as we continue this week here on Lockdown Bengals, as we get toward that Miami game, James Rapine will be back, of course. 
and we'll get to our crossover just in time for the game on Thursday. Until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.